Leadership Matters, a podcast hosted by me, Steve Parker. This is a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership, motivation, and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, world-class talent. We also offer some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and philosophy of some of Taiwan and the world's most successful leaders. And to find out more about why leadership matters. Daniel Bart is the current managing partner of the self-organized consulting company, CreEffective. He originally majored in Chinese cultural studies and spent a few years in Beijing and Shanghai, but moved into the startup scene after graduation. He co-founded CreEffective in 2013 and has spent the time since then accompanying, coaching and facilitating change and innovation in companies of various sizes. He's a fantastic human being. I've been lucky enough to be interviewed by him um, myself. Um, for a book that he is actually currently writing on leadership. And it's just fortuitous that we get an opportunity to talk to Daniel today. Daniel, I mean, tell me, just let's just start maybe by just asking a simple question. I mean, why put you, people tell me who write books, they tell me it takes a long time and it's a lot of work. What has motivated you to want to do this book on leadership? Yeah, so um, I'm actually coming from a slightly different perspective, not, not from classical like leadership training or leadership theories, but from this background of self-organization. So essentially at, at our company or in our team, we try to, let's say, get rid of leadership. I'm putting this in air quotes, which people can't see, but um, there was not the explicit goal, but it was kind of you know implied. But over time, I realized um, it's kind of also like, a, let's say, a gap in these models of self-organization or self-organized teams that they don't talk about leadership specifically. So my goal with the book is to kind of fill that gap and um, introduce like a concept or framework for leadership that works in this more agile, more self-organized context, but still connects to what people are, um, you know, what people know from, from most of the companies that exist today. How would you characterize agile leadership? your agile management what are, what are the key yeah. kind of components so i, I mean when, when you define agility or the, the most one of the most common definitions is the ability of a, of a system of a company or team to uh, quickly effectively and continuously adapt to changing circumstances so we could actually say that every company that survived at least for a couple of years has been agile to a certain degree right because if you can't adapt at all then you would, wouldn't exist anymore as a company so the question then is how adaptive are you? And I think when you really try to to deal with chaos, which is the essential, like if if, if agile is the answer, uh, then the question was like, how can we deal with the chaotic circumstances that we live in? I would say uh, then certain things change, especially about decision-making, but also planning and this um, extreme focus on, on a specific vision, on purpose, um, but also on, you know, like I said, self-organized teams, like giving more, um, participation powers or more decision-making powers to the team. Um, and I think this the, the, the type of leadership required for that change is a little bit, the focus shifts more towards mentoring, coaching, facilitation, and a little bit away from classical decision-making and resource management. That doesn't mean that these things are not important uh, because sometimes people throw the baby out with the, with the bathwater, so to speak. Yeah, we don't need all the old stuff, you know, that, that uh, these uh, traditional uh, ideas of leadership. We don't need all of that anymore. But um, I think you still do. It's just a, a mindset shift or a shift of emphasis. So for me, the main purpose of leadership is to make a teamwork better, more effective, more, more meaningful. 
which obviously means if it doesn't do that, then you can actually really scrap leadership. But when you think in terms of the team, like what does a team need? Then I would say, yeah, this doesn't change. Like collaboration between people doesn't really change. Like the demands uh, a team has, then that doesn't really change. So then the question is, okay, what, which of these requirements are met by someone taking on a leadership role and which of these requirements might be met in, in other other ways with agile tools specifically but the, the 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 basic requirements they don't change when you talk about agile tools let's let's go into that a little bit more what do you mean by agile tools so one example is when you when you talk to people in leadership roles especially people with a, let's say, a slightly more traditional outlook. One of the things that I always mention as, as a responsibility of someone in a leadership role is I have to make sure that people know what they're working on, what they have to focus on, and I kind of hand out assignments. And that kind of, I mean, yeah, that works, you know, ha having one person like, you know, I, I know what's, what has to be done. I have the maybe the product vision or whatever, that's fine. But then you could introduce something like Kanban, which is a very basic tool, but very common in, in, in the agile world which essentially for the people who don't know this, it's just a couple of columns, which one column where you have all the stuff that needs to be done at some point. And then you have one column where you only focus on the most important things. And then you have another column where you have all this stuff in progress. And when you use this tool, you can easily create a, an overview over the entire, like what the entire team is working on. You say, oh, you know, this is okay. So this is now in focus. Okay, I actually take care of this. So people pull their own work rather than I, I as a leader, I don't have to push it on them. They actually pull it themselves, but I still prioritize. So there's still a level of leadership involved, but it's not that I hand out assignments. So the way I do this actually changes. And there's a, um, there's a lot of transparency going on because everybody knows what everybody else is doing. People can actually talk to each other rather than always talk to me. Yeah, so I don't I don't become a bottleneck. So I would say it is actually a more effective way of making sure that, that our workflow works. Um, but it also, you know, if, if I have a very traditional idea of leadership and say, oh, this is one of my core duties, then it's kind of a problem when I try to work with this tool. But when I think, okay, so the requirement for the team is that, you know, everybody always knows what the most important next step is, it becomes less about assigning stuff and more about prioritizing and, and giving out the vision. If you're talking about building a system, I mean, how do you get away from implementing something that you force people to do, but all still remaining this kind of agile form of leadership that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, this also connected to this is the question, is everybody able also or, or willing to work in a very, let's say, self-organized context? Because it does require people, you know, to take on more responsibility than before. So ideally, I would say, um, a, a system, if you talk about an, an, a specific system, like, let's say the, the form of governance that we use gives people the opportunity, but doesn't force them to, you know, go beyond their own level of comfort and, and maybe not comfort, comfort is probably the wrong word, but competence. And then if, when you realize, okay, people might lack certain skills or a certain mindset, then maybe this mentoring and coaching approach of leadership is required so that you actually get people to, you know, where they need to be. Um, but I think it, it, it's very tempting to think in terms of these systems as, oh, okay, this is what we all have to do now. And then it becomes very forceful. Um, there is one aspect where you say, okay, it's when you work as a team, you have to make sure that everybody is on the same level in terms of the workflow, because 
when I say, oh, you know, this this doesn't work for me, and so I, I do it my own way, and then everybody else in the team is like, yeah, but we need you to kind of, you know, work with us, that's understandable. So there has to be a certain level of, let's say, a minimum requirement that everybody has to meet in order to work within the system. But I think it's 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 very important to always keep um, to always focus on the purpose. Like, why are we doing this? What is the goal of this system or whatever we're going to call it, this new form of governance? And when you realize, oh, it's not working for whatever reason, you either develop the skill of the people, uh, the skill set of the people yeah, that's possible or the mindset, or you say, OK, maybe we have to change the, the form of governance because it has to work for the people as well. Do you have advice on how to direct and push a company? Maybe push is the wrong word, but you know, what's your thoughts on how to facilitate people towards a common tool? Yeah, I think I think more important than the tool is the purpose behind it, because people tend to forget this, and then it becomes an you know the tool becomes an end in itself, which it shouldn't be. It's like saying like oh we need to we need to use a hammer, and I think yeah, but why? I mean then you say okay, so we need to drive a nail into the wall because we want to hang up something. That's fine. Then we are, then everybody understands. Okay, yeah, hammer is a good tool for the job. And this, I think, is the also where, where this idea of new leadership comes in. I, I tend to think in terms of so-called stances of leadership, that depending on, on, on the situation, you take on a different stance. I mean, this is a term also used in martial arts specifically, where I say, okay, depending on what my opponent does, I react in a different manner. I prepare myself for a different encounter. Uh, and I would say the same is true for leadership, because I could say, you know, I'm, I'm the visionary. So this is kind of the vision. And I think this is a really important part to get people to agree on, on a single vision or a single purpose and say, okay, so this is why we do this. And this always has to be present. But then the question is, am I the decider, the decision maker and say, this is the tool that we use, or am I being the facilitator? And I actually allow people to come up with their own ideas of, of which tool to use. Obviously there's a limitation because maybe other teams are using, the same goes by the way for digital tools, like a software. So maybe not every team should use a different type of software. Maybe there has to be in certain agreements. So there are limitations always. But um, I think this is kind of the, the there's a certain tension between, okay, you know, I, I provide a vision, but I also need the buy-in of the people. I am facilitating decision-making, but I probably don't want to make the decision all by myself. I want to get people involved. I also want to have suggestions from them, right? It has to be a collaborative process, a creative process to a certain degree. But at the end, we also have to find something that, that fulfills the requirements of work. And this, uh, this is why I think this idea, this idea of stances can be interesting, because depending on the situation, you also change your approach. But you can also be very transparent about this. And you can actually tell people, OK, but now we have to make a decision. So you know, it, it has to be this tool because, because of certain requirements of, of work. But then people understand why, and the purpose is still clear. Daniel, I wanted to talk a little bit about your book now. We talked at the start about how you are motivated to write this book. Mm. Has there been anything so far in what you've been uncovering that has surprised you in particular? Yeah, actually, it's it's a, a couple of things that that I mean, like you you already mentioned, like I did interviews, or I, I conducted a couple of interviews with um, with people in leadership roles coming from different backgrounds. I also did research, you know, I read books about leadership because I wanted to see what what other books are recommending, um, not just about leadership, uh, also about teamwork and and agile tools. I mean, this is essentially what I do anyway, so I've read a lot of those um, over the years but specifically books for, uh, focused on, on leadership. Um, 
And yeah, one of the interesting, one of the, the most interesting insights for me was that the people I talk to, most of them, actually all of them, they just want to get stuff done. So I haven't talked to anyone and probably also because these people are not part of my network or I don't have a good connection to these people who are in it for the status, you know, who are in, in, in this, what I would call like political types of leadership, you know, in large corporations, where it's mostly about the, actually in, in biology, you have the term of the dominance hierarchy, you know, like in animals, like, okay, am I top dog or am I, am I somewhere at the bottom? Um, these people exist as well, but these are not the people I talk to. And um, and this is where this idea came from that, yeah, actually leadership has to focus on good teamwork because at, at the core, that's what it is. And yes, the higher you go in, in a hierarchy, in a large corporation, um, the more abstract it becomes, obviously, because then you have to take on responsibilities, not just for the people in your specific team, but the decisions you make have an impact on, you know, people lower down in the hierarchy as well. But essentially, it's still about team leadership, the core. Um, because these are the people you, you talk to and work with, and it doesn't matter if you're a great representative in the sense of the entire company. If you cannot work with your team, you're going to be very ineffective. If you're not leading a team, but you've somehow got these other skill sets that gets you into these positions or whatever, what, what, what do you do? What does a company do? What do people do? What do teams do if they have to deal with this? I mean, you, you must have come across this sort of... Um, lack of cohesion if you like or or, yep. or limited skill sets you know where people are good at one thing but not at all the other things necessary to be successful yeah i think in in many ways probably no one has all the skill sets anyway because i think this is one of the big issues and this is also one of the things that i found quite frustrating with a lot of these books about leadership that they describe um essentially almost always some kind of perfect ideal superhuman being like, okay, when you're a leader, you have to all, all of you, I mean, you have to be like this and you have to do this and you have to think this way. And I think, yeah, but I mean, is this realistic? Is this like, is this what we're trying? Like everybody has to change his personality and, and, and the way he thinks or feels like when, when you take on a leadership role. People are sometimes setting themselves up to, for, for failure by, by having this idea of, okay, we have this very expansive, all-encompassing leadership role. And I think, why? I mean, why not break it down? Because when you when you get to the core of it, when you do, you do have certain aspects that are usually part of a leadership role or that can be part of a leadership role because there's a leadership relationship behind it. Uh, representation, for example, this is a classic application for leadership in the sense of, okay, you know, so the team works with a larger organization. The organization cannot be present in the sense of, you know, I mean, there needs to be an interface because there are hundreds or thousands of people in the organization. Um, so it needs to be simplified. So we have one person representing the organization towards the team. At the same time, that person also represents the team towards the organization, but also, for example, customers, partners. Yeah? So this is also a form of leadership saying, hey, I, I really understand users and customers and, and I, I bring that perspective to the team. But that is just one part of it. Then you also have the visionary thinking, you know, product vision, company vision, whatever. You have resource management, yeah, classical management in the sense of, okay, I, I know what, what resources we have and, and how to deploy them and, and everything. Um, you have decision-making, yeah, you have mentoring, coaching, facilitation, and this idea of, I would call it governance architecture, you know, thinking about the workflows and, and how everything fits together. But it's simply not realistic to expect every single person to be skilled at all of these areas. And I don't think you have to. 
because in, realistically speaking, when you just look at a group of people trying to achieve something together, let's forget about you know companies and, and all the, the structures that are already in place. You just have a group of people and they want to do something together. There, there will be leadership relationships emerging, but it might not be focused on just one person because maybe you have a senior expert in one, one area and then everybody goes to that person for advice when it is about that specific topic. That is also leadership. Yeah, maybe someone is very good at you know selling the vision or making sure that everybody is aligned on the vision. Yeah, so a visionary, that's fine. But maybe that person is really bad at, with numbers. So somebody else is actually taking care of budgets and, and doing the classical management stuff. Now, obviously, when you have then like 10 different people doing this, it might get a bit complicated. So it makes sense to you know, streamline things and combine this. But for me, the best approach or the, the, the modern, the more agile approach to leadership would be to actually craft leadership roles just so that they fit the needs of the team and forget this idea of, oh, I have to do everything because we really don't. And interestingly enough, and this is something that I already knew from before in project management, for example, it was already quite common to have, you know, a team lead and a project lead. Yeah, and to have people focusing more on facilitation and people focusing on other things. It was quite common to actually have different specific leadership roles because they said, okay, this is too much for one person anyway. But in so many companies, it's still this idea of, oh, we have one team lead. So the team lead does everything, yeah, whatever that is. Leadership is not about being the boss, right? Yeah. Is that what I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, this is obviously, this is a, a touchy subject in many cases because the idea of having one person for everything, I mean, I guess it comes from this idea of representation in terms of accountability, you know, what I would call stewardship. You know, you have the, the owners of a company and they say, okay, we need someone in charge so that we can, we have, we have um, accountability in terms something goes wrong. Totally makes sense. And that that person puts other people in charge and those people put other people in charge and so on. And this is how you think of a hierarchy top down. I mean, this is an old concept, you know, like think of like medieval times where you had the king and the king owned the country, legally speaking. So he gave the lords, you know, land and say, OK, so when there's a war, I want your soldiers and I want to get some money from you. But other than that, you, you do whatever you like. And then these lords had their own lords and, and all that. I mean, it's a basic idea of stewardship. That makes sense, but it's only a part of the picture. Yeah, because like you said, in, in a team, you actually have all these different skills, but also different responsibilities, and it often makes sense to actually separate them. And it's very tempting when you think of stewardship to also think of, I mentioned this term already, the, the dominance hierarchy, to think in terms of the pecking order. Like, okay, am I like above this other guy? It, it's understandable to ask the question, where do I stand in this social structure? It's understandable, but for the company, it's not super helpful. Because the company doesn't doesn't care about like the 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 big picture like that, that doesn't care about where you specifically stand. This is an individual question. Now for the company, it's much more interesting to say, okay, so how do we structure this in a sense that it supports the workflow of everyone? And when you ask that question, then I think you have to be much more specific. And you then, like you said, you break things down and you say, okay, so you know maybe it makes sense to to have like this classical management and decision-making connected because yes, a lot of decision-making will involve a certain degree of, of you know, thinking about finances. That's kind of important for, for a company. But at the same time, being the decision-maker and for example, being a coach at the same time is very difficult because as a coach, you wanna focus on the person and you want to develop that person. But when you're also the decision-maker and you have responsibility and accountability regarding that, then maybe you think, oh, okay, but we kind of need to get this done to tomorrow. So you don't have the time to develop whatever you want to develop like as a, as a person. 
So there are also conflicts between certain aspects of leadership, but you can solve these by you know, maybe splitting it up on, across different people. Because I, I, I've talked to a lot of people over, over the years who said, oh, you know, I, I became a leader because this is the career development in the company. I didn't, and, and I wanted to get stuff done, but I actually don't like being in this leadership position because it comes with all this management stuff and with all the politics, uh, political stuff. And I, I really don't like this. I just wanna, I just wanna work. And then you have technical experts and you lose technical experts that way. You make them leaders. They really, let's, let's be honest, they suck at it and they are unhappy about it as well. Um, and it's not a good fit. At the same time, for example, when you are a technical expert, you might be a good mentor. You might be a great mentor for other people with the same technical expertise, but on a, on a different level. Um, so this is a leadership quality, but maybe you can detach this from these others. So again, we are uh, talking about breaking things down, you know, maybe you just take on this one specific responsibility of leadership, you leave the rest to the others, and then you can still be a technical expert 70% of your time. So I think for me, the, the truly brave thing actually is to sit down and talk to your team and say, how do you guys, how, how do you think leadership should work in our team? Like being, being like getting to the point, and I mean, this is a process, right? You, you can't do this just off the bat, but, you know, getting people, like getting everyone to think about the governance of the team, including leadership roles. Because this is something that I, I, I um, noticed in, in a lot of the interviews that I did. The, the very open-minded leaders, they just said, yeah, you know, I, I just asked my, my people, what do you guys expect from me? Like, what are, you, what are you getting from me? What are, what are you not getting? What do you think should be part of my responsibilities? And obviously they can still say, okay, you know, I disagree with this, but this is actually, for me, this is a great first step. But like I said, it, it's also, it makes you vulnerable when you believe that you have to be in control and in charge of everything. Because then you're kind of already opening up and say, okay, maybe I can't do everything. So I, I, I want to focus. So this is already a first step of, of showing this vulnerability to the team. But I mean, it's, it's not an easy process for, for the, the individual. We started talking about uh, this kind of this agile leadership. And I think that's, this is a really nice kind of way to bring this all around to a, to a neat conclusion here. The idea of agile leadership, where you're looking at a changing uh, system structure, whatever it is, to adapt to a circumstance. And you've just kind of alluded to that now that, you know, you put something in place, but just because it's in place doesn't mean it has to remain in place right look at the structures have a look at what you're doing and see what you need to change we've talked about this idea you know there's traditional kind of leadership roles versus uh what uh, what perhaps we call the modern you know this idea of this agile leadership um the old system where you're more or less handing out assignments to people like this is your job whereas i think what i'm hearing from you is more about well let's look at the skills that you've got you know what do you bring to the table what does this other person bring to the table now in any situation, the leadership role itself can change, right? You know more about this than I do. So I'm handing authority to you. Maybe our role as a leader in this case is to be the, the bigger person in that room who is able to allow the best possible person to do whatever function it is. I really enjoyed your talking about this kind of stance of leadership um from kind of our martial arts and stuff like that that every time you know it's 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 not one thing fits all you know each yeah. person is an individual and i've i've heard that very strongly from you today that you're talking about the individual and we need to manage people differently 
People have different goals, different backgrounds. And as you just mentioned towards the end there, people have different personal experiences. You know, we forget that people, you know, I mean, people have dogs at home that get sick. People have parents that are putting pressure on them. People have uh, children. People have partners that they're maybe going through a divorce with or, or, or they have a very supportive environment at home. Anyway, all of these things can change the way that we approach our jobs on a daily basis. And I, I, the last thing I kind of really, really took out from what you have brought up today is this, this idea of a boss can also be a team member. You know, you don't have to be the team leader in every situation you're in, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a really, it's a relief to me in a way to hear something like this. I think it's a really nice idea to, it's not revolutionary in the way that, I mean, it's been around, but it's, Sometimes we just have to remember that, right? Yeah. As as a leader, we don't have to be the boss of everything. You know, <laughs> be a team. If you like to just be involved in something, get involved. Be part of the team and have somebody else who's leading or running this. Maybe it's a project for something or, or whatever it is, you know. As always, Daniel, I've got a lot out of it. I, I wish you every success with the book. I know it's going to be a fantastic book and I'm looking forward to read it. Do you have a title for the book yet? Yeah, I actually call it so it's it's still a working title in the sense of I'm I'm open to feedback because I will have beta reading, you know, where, where people will actually give me feedback. But the title uh, is Eight Stances of Leadership because of this idea of the, the stances. Nice. And I, well, I'm glad I picked up on that. Um, Daniel, as always, absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I always learn a lot from you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much. That was very for me also. I it was a great experience. Thank you. You can listen to this podcast on the fourth Monday of every month on ICRT and after that on the ICRT website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Leadership Matters by Stephen Parker. You can also check out my social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, everything. We'll see you next time.